All right, we back again. Yes, in the box. Back. Yes, yes, yes. How y'all doing out there? It's good. What's going on? Glad you guys, man. Uh, uh, we got some special man for you tonight. It's going right. to be good. And we got Ayana McDonald. She is, she, she is in the house. All right. And uh, we gonna, hey, it's going to be a great show, man. We, we It's going to be really, really good. What about you, Ron? You, you ready, bro? I'm ready, man. Hey, it's Friday, man. God is good, man. We still alive. Hey, let's make it happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying here with the corona, and they're still spiking up. That's the first day. The other thing, so when you dying there with the corona, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we dying here with the corona. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. I just said we just had a comment to come on. Oh, what's up, Salutations to the Nations. What's going on, uh, Demetrius? All right, yeah. What's going on? We're gonna be right back. Yeah, in a sec. Fundamentals and build a block. Yeah. Turn to advice when I'm in that spot. Yeah. And I got questions and that's a lot. Perfect time to hear from Rico in the box. All right, man. We yeah, back. Man, the instrumental play, man, while we do the show, man. That's what's up right there. I, I know, man. Shout out, man, to, to, to the rapper. Yes, uh, Dimitri, that's who you hear, man. And, and, and we you know he killed that joint, man. Sure, right? man. Yeah. He did. So, we got a couple housekeeping things, man, that we're gonna go over with you. And uh, don't forget every Thursday night, talk about that, Ron. Yes, the music industry makeover where we're giving you some marketing tips, some things just to help you along the way as an artist. Over your Thursday night at 9 p.m., hey, join us. You don't want to miss out on it. Also, don't forget Critical Dialogue on Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Hey, man, we got a hot one coming up, this one. This is uh, a uh, uh, Alternative Choices in Marriages, all right? A Christian polygamous. Oh, my God. Hey, that's going to be oh. Oh, that's gonna Christian <laughs> polygamy. Wow, that's, yeah, that's that's gonna be uh okay. Yeah, okay. And I, I want to send a shout out to Dice Gamble over yeah. Christian Hip Hop University. She's put oh. together something great for all you guys and girls that actually want to learn at the music educational program. From you, you're not gonna have to pay. No, you baby. You know, I'm teaching the class. Ron is teaching the class, which is yep. gonna be good uh, as well. Also, if you're looking for a song review and promotion, right now we're doing them for $15. We review your song and we promote it on our shows. Um, If if you go over to the Music Industry Makeover Services page, um, you'll actually see all the other packages and bundles, man, that that we have as well. And if before you get ready to release your song, if you want us to actually go over and and kind of review it in particular a little bit, just to make sure, man, you dot all your I's, cross all your T's, and make sure it's dope. Because you have to maximize your opportunity, man. When you when you release some music, man, people don't take you serious um, if you don't if you don't really put the effort in. And we also want to support our sister, yes, uh, serious voice, black woman. Uh, be on the look. Oh yeah, be on the lookout. She's gonna be premiering her video with us here. All right. at, yeah. in the box. Yes, yeah. yeah, so in the box, y'all. We're gonna shout out to my dude GCS. Most definitely, yes. Awesome track. You need to go and stream his music, guys. For real. Go, go check him out, man. He's a humble brother. He's a humble brother. His wife is a producer as well. They good people, man. I love meeting good people down to earth, man. Don't have attitudes. Don't be like a prima donna. That's what I'm talking about right And now. you also got to pick up my homie Big Phil's Quarantine Dreams, man. Big, Big Phil been around for a minute putting it down, man. Yes, he putting has. it down. Yes, and uh, we're going we go, we to kind of man, talk about some things as well. And then, also, I kind of want to if you guys are looking at trying to do your own uh, recording, 
which is this is the capture car. Let me turn it right where you can yeah, see it. Yeah. Right? You have Elgato. Elgato usually run this capture car usually runs about $179, but this particular version, it is a generic version, but the quality is very, very good. Only $16. Wow. Right. So if you if you if you want to look at running another camera, you want to kind of you know, uh, run, run your DSR, your DSLR, uh, to, to, to record some of your shows, you can do it as, do that as well. So I just kind of want to share that as well. The, 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 um, the quality on this card, man, is really, really good. Like I say, it's only $16, man, for this card as well. So without further ado, mm -hmm. we want to bring our sister on, Ayana. Ayana. Hey, Hey guys, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Welcome. Glad to have you, man. Welcome. Good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on tonight. Glad to have you. Now you you out of Atlanta. Now you you, you start you start talking about the Corona down in Florida. Corona down where y'all at too. <laughs> we're, we're right behind you guys, but I think Florida has the lead right now with the rock. Hey, and the governor trying to sue the mayor down now. You know, trying to creep out. That's that foolishness, man. We got way too much drama going on in Atlanta right now. <laughs> man, that, that politics would politics would make you crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. What's, what's so, going on, Lamont? Glad to have you. Oh yeah, man. So, um, so, so, I mean, are you guys, are the hospitals actually filling up down there in Atlanta? They are. And, you know, two wow. of my siblings are actually RNs and my brother's an ICU unit nurse. So they're, they've been telling me the real tea that's going on in the hospitals and wow. the cases are really through the roof. So, yeah, it, oh, it's man. real. And people so, really need just to do what they can to, to remain safe out there. So, 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 it ain't, so it's really not a hoax, is it? Real it's, not fake. Not it's, it's not exactly, wow. and you know they see it on the front lines every day, and so people really did. for anyone that's listening, it's not a hoax. Do everything that you can to remain safe during this time, and think about all the people that you know will be impacted. You know by you doing either what you're supposed to do or what you shouldn't do. So, amen. You know. Amen. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad to have another voice because I've been seeing posts all week. About you know, oh, it's it's fake. Like man, people have been dying. We understand that there's other other underlying health conditions. Correct. The thing is, you don't know how your body's going to respond to it. Right. Every I've seen healthy people get it in the past, and somebody fat like me, we make it through, and some of us don't. Right? Because you all know. Sometimes you don't even know if you're what's going on in your body health wise. But just because you don't have an outward symptom of some health defect. A lot of times that stuff won't even show until you actually get sick, right? That's a Absolutely. Yeah. And a friend of mine who's actually a pathologist, you know, she conducts autopsies as well. She told me the other day, a nine-year-old child who passed from COVID. So it's really not a game. You know, there are people that are out there in the field right. seeing these cases. They're in the hospitals. They're doing all types, you know, they're doing all types of things and they're on the front lines of this thing. So, you know, I think we really need to take it serious and, and do everything that we can to protect ourselves. Wow, man. Mm. And again, guys, you all hear it for yourself. Uh, again, don't be foolish. All right. Because again, yeah. you know, curiosity will kill the cat. So yeah, follow directions. And if you're just not joining us, joining us on in the box, hey, uh, if you can show hey, what's going on, Mary, uh, if you can share the show out, 
stare it out. Because there, there are some people that uh, that definitely man can benefit uh, from a lot of the information, man. That's going to be shared tonight. For, for sure. Uh, and and, and what's up, man? It's definitely not a hoax. Just a childhood friend I've known since seventh grade. Passed away on Father's Day. Oh wow! Complications. Man. Yeah, man. Really? Yeah, man. Wow. I want to um, give a shout out to those watching from Praise 104.9 on their social media page. Uh, again, I'm joining on the on this discussion right here as we talk with the artist Ayana McDonald. Okay. And, and uh, we got we 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 gonna get into some things, man, with Ayana. Yeah. Uh, but first, before we do that, man, I want to share want to share because she want to share her her she was she was live. And uh, and we gonna kind of we gonna we gonna jump we gonna jump right into it. that video or just the song itself? Well, the song itself. Or I think it was March. Was it March this year? March 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 of two thousand nineteen, wasn't it? Yeah, we recorded that last summer um, oh, wow. with the live. Yeah, um, but the song itself, I think, early two thousands for Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, you know, oh, great. Man, okay. your, your 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 voice, man. You got a lot of range, girl. Yeah, I hear you. You hear you blowing, Glenn Harris. You know, says so fire, man. That's fire. Thank um, you, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, you know, and, and you know, and I was, I was kind of, you know, the, the question I wanted to just, just kind of start out, like, when did you start singing, and and how, you know, how did, when did you take your gift for real? Like, what age was it that you took your gift for real and you started singing? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually started singing at three years old. And, you know, I think it's so important um, to have people around you that can cultivate and push the giftings in you. So I think from a young age, my parents saw that there was something there and they wasted no time in making sure that that was cultivated. They saw a small seed and they made sure that that seed got watered, that it got what it needed um, all throughout, you know, being um, a child all the way up through. And I, I just watched the journey on and on all the way up through, you know, um, going through college. But, you know, it really started at three years old and you know, I had parents that really pushed me and encouraged that. And I also want to say, too, that growing up in the church played a huge part of that because I had an opportunity and a platform to be able to share my gift from a young age. And I saw how that really, as an adult, as I grew older and went on in my musical journey, um, that really became a blessing. Because truth be told, you know, I say this for anyone that's listening, don't don't sleep on church now. Don't sleep on the skills that that is developing and cultivating in you, you know, outside of our faith and what we believe. It is building something in you that you're going to need later on for your musical journey. And then make sure that you surround yourself with people who are going to water the seed that's there. Um, because I can honestly say if my parents um, did not water that seed and make sure I was in atmospheres that will allow me to cultivate and grow my gift, I would not have pursued singing the way that I, I have and am pursuing it today. So, so, so what was it like, you know, especially when you have parents that are pushing you in, in the ministry? Because a lot of people don't have parents um, that has that focus, that, that have that support. And I know a lot of opportunity came your way as you was growing up and you were singing. So how did you stay grounded? You know, because as a kid, you know, a lot of people think, because I grew up in the church as well, people think because when we grow up in the church that we're like superhuman, we're immune to things yeah. outside, but we're really not. We're still susceptible to everything. We still come in contact with everybody. And a lot of times we get picked at and laughed at because then we can't be a part. But how was it for you 
were those opportunities and, and other people wanted you to come sing, you know, and how did you deal with it and how did your parents kind of help you to respond, you know, to those opportunities that, that maybe it wasn't good for you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, they made, they were very intentional about making sure that my head didn't get too big. <laughs> you know, I'm the youngest of five siblings <laughs> and that's a lot of people in one house. And so when you have that dynamic of older siblings, I'm the youngest of my family members. Um, but when you have that dynamic in a household, you know, between your siblings, between your family, they're going to make sure, listen, I know you just saying here and there, but come and wash these dishes or <laughs> come and do this homework. <laughs> so I think I had a great balance, you know, of the two. Um, and I think that's really what kept me humble because at the end of the day, there were times where I went out and may have ministered or sang in front of a crowd of people, but I still had to come home and do the dishes or I still had to come home and do my homework. I still had to come home and be a regular kid or be a regular teenager. And I think it's so important to have both because if you're always in an environment that is consistently celebrating you and telling you how great you are, you need the balance of people around you who are going to pull you back down to earth and help you to remember that you are also human. And I think sometimes artists can get lost in the celebrity of what we do um, because, you know, People are always saying, oh, my God, you're so this and you're so that. Um, but I love this scripture when Paul talks about um, the thorn in his flesh and God mm -hmm. did not take it away. He said, my grace is sufficient. Right. But I love the fact that as gifted, as, as powerful as Paul was, he still had a thorn. So I say the same thing to artists and ministers or those that are, you know, out there doing the work of the Lord. At the end of the day, you still everybody still has a thorn. Everybody still has something that makes them human in spite of the accolades and all the things that people say. So I think all throughout my developmental years, that really kept me grounded. My parents made sure um, that even as I was performing and doing these other things that I still was a kid and I still had to, you know, come back down to earth. Um and, you know, they were big on humility and remaining humble and, and, you know, helping me to understand that you have been granted a God-given gift that was that you've been blessed with. It was no goodness of your own, you know, but God trusted you with this gift. And because he trusted you with this, it's your responsibility to be a good steward over it. And it's your responsibility to change lives and to bless people through that. So. I say all that to say from a young age, they ingrained in me that it's really not about you, boo-boo. <laughs> it's about the bigger mission and what you've been and what you're you've been called to do. So and then I, I have a yeah. No, I was gonna tell a funny story. When I was um, I think it was I was like eight. I sang at this church and I, I just thought, yes, I'm about to kill this song. I just, I'm about to kill this. So <laughs> I get on the mic and I forgot what song it was. You know, I grew up in old school church, so we, we sang a lot of hymns. Um, but I will never forget. I started coughing during the song. Oh, wow. Uncontrollably. Oh, in wow. In front of a whole crowd of people. And I could not stop coughing. And I would try to, and I made it worse because I kept on trying to sing and then cough again and kept on singing and then kept on coughing. I was a true G. I, I tried to get through the song. Um, but it got so bad that I, I couldn't finish the song. And imagine being eight years old in front of all those people. Wow. And I had to take my seat. 
And I, I felt so small and I felt so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. I felt so embarrassed. But I tell that story to say, you know, along your path, you will have those moments that pull you back <laughs> to reality that will remind you, hey, listen, you've got a great gift. You've got a great call, but you are still a human being at the end of the day. And I think even at eight from a young age, that was God's way of saying, hey, you know, this gift is mine. I'm trusting you with it, but it's still my gift. Amen. Awesome. Were you ever um, um, approached to for us to go after awards and things like that, you know, for us with your music? I was actually, um, and actually during that age, I continued on, you know, in music. I, I, I actually played the baritone horn for a few years, <laughs> you know, played piano and just continued yeah. on. And then Moving into my college years, I went to performing arts high school. Um, I was raised in New York, so the the school is now called Long Island Long Island School of the Arts. Mm -hmm. um, but I went there, and then through my time there during my senior year of college, I um, you know got a ton of awards. I was blessed to get a lot of awards and things like that um, through you know scholarships and things like that. And I ended up getting a full ride to Berklee College of Music. Um, and that's how I ended up in Boston, living in Boston. And, you know, when you get a full ride, that's a no brainer. That's where you're going to college. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so with your siblings, all your siblings, now, any, you have any other talented siblings? Are they saying as well? You know, my sister does sing, but she's mm -hmm. not like she, she never really took it on. She actually went into the medical field, which is so interesting. But mm -hmm. when we were younger, we did sing together here and there. But we would always argue about who was going to do what. So I think after a while, she was like, forget it. You could, you got this. <laughs> so, so so, did you have, so how was your relationship with your siblings when you, because music, music has a, music tend to bring out other um, jealousies or, or because yeah. it's, it, it puts you on platforms. You know, you've been on the stage with a lot of famous people, you know, and uh and, and, and especially having siblings, because I think it's a in it. Everybody wants to feel like they're important, right? Yeah. That's just that's a human trait, right? Oh, and yeah. I think, and we have a lot of people that's in music right now. They're not really doing music to be a student of music, or they're not really doing it because they really love it. They're really doing it so they can be seen. How was your relationship with your your siblings getting on and off these stages with celebrity people? You know, I was really blessed in the sense of I had a very or have a very supportive family. Like, you know, till this day, my family, they cheer me on, they root me on. And that's not always the case in everybody's household. But I do think, in all honesty, the reason for that as well is, is not just because of how my parents raised us, but because everybody in our family had their lane. So music was my lane. You know, but for my brother, it was sports. You know, for my sister, it was academia. You know, for another sibling, it might have been dance. You know, so everybody kind of had that thing that they were really good at. And for Ayana, it was just, you know, Ayana sings. She does this. She travels. She performs. So that was sort of that support across the board. And then I think, too, to be honest, when you know your siblings out there doing your, their thing, you either have two choices. You either support them or you get jealous. Because as a family member, there's that sense of, yeah, that's my sis. She's out here doing her thing. You know, or you can, you know, be like Joseph and his brothers, right? And, and get jealous. Thinking, but I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So I'm grateful in the sense that I didn't have scenarios internally within my family 
um, where that jealousy was there because my parents just, they didn't play that. You know, I grew up in a West Indian household, so oh, that's I don't cool. know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Very traditional core don't play, values. Don't play that. Right. Yeah. So my parents right. didn't play. They weren't playing that. Um, and so I think that was a blessing because when you have a strong base, when you get out there and you realize that not everybody's like that and you realize that you are going to have people that will, um, you know, be divisive and try to tear you down or try to, you know, counteract whatever it is that you're trying to do. It, it gave me, you know, great perspective and an appreciation, you know, for my family and gave me the foundation to remain flat footed even when I faced opposition or felt like I was in arenas or circles where, you know, there was jealousy or those things came up. Now you went to the Berkeley School of Music. The, the question I want to I want to ask, man, which is best powerful: What was it that that you learned at the Berkeley School of Music that you feel as though you you would not have learned that um, without actually going to the Berkeley School of Music? Wow, that's a great question. I learned so much at Berkeley, but one of the most important things that I learned is that your musical journey is what you make it. Because you can have Berkeley on your resume, you can, but it, it really is how you optimize every opportunity, how you value the network that you build. You have to become a master strategist. Um, and I think for the artists that are watching, you should not only be well-versed and well-skilled at your craft and your gift, but you need to now become a strategist. What do I mean by that is there is strategy behind building your brand. There needs to be strategy behind building your gift. Um, there are a lot of great and gifted, talented people. And a lot of them I went to school with, you know, but that degree is not cheap <laughs> at all. I think now tuition's like, I think 70 per semester, something crazy like that. But I say that to say, it's not what you learn, it's how you apply what you learn and how you strategize behind what you learn. Because again, I went to school with so many individuals who, you know, some have gone on to do great things, but some have not been able to leverage the different opportunities that came their way from going to Berkeley, you know, because it, it is, it's Berkeley, but it, it's only Berkeley if you use it well and use it to your advantage and use it to grow and as a launching pad to do more. And I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I, I've taken some classes online from Berkeley because they have the, they, they have a lot of single type classes available to you, yeah. um, depending on what you want to specialize in. I, I think it's really, really great. I think it's, it's cost effective uh, versus you going to full sale, you know, and you're spending 100000 but it's like 125000 now. But yes. what is it that you do? What are you doing with your degree from Berkeley because when, when I think about music music that's it's a big field however when you're a singer you know and you're going to school for that you, the, the, the path kind of kind of narrows as yes. to what you can actually do with it so upon graduating what was your aspiration? To, you know, with your Berkeley of Music degree, and then what are you doing with it today? Yeah, absolutely. So I 
actually was more strategic in terms of, because although I had a full ride, I wanted to make sure that my degree was something that I could use and could translate to other arenas if needed. And so I majored in music business and management. And, you know, I've always had a business acumen and and been interested in business and pursuing that. So I use that business degree as a a launching pad and a platform, you know, to be able to move into other arenas in music and as well as outside of music. And so upon graduating, essentially what I did was I actually worked for Berkeley um, straight out of college. I ended up working for their city music program, which was the nonprofit sector. Well, it is a nonprofit, but sort of their philanthropic um, component where they had the city music program. It's a phenomenal program where they gave away scholarships to underserved youth. And so through that uh, music business and management degree, I was able to now as a singer, as a songwriter, as a vocalist, now apply my business muscles to really what was a a performance project coordination, project management role um, for the college. And so I was able to have the best of both worlds because through that role, I was able to, for example, we did the TED conference. We did, you know, events for Quincy Jones, you know, so I was able to rub shoulders with a lot of amazing artists while flexing my business degree, but still in the networks, in the circles um, that would also aid in any performance endeavors that I had. So while I was working that, I was still singing. I was still ministering. I was still performing. I was also serving in ministry, um, heading uh, director of worship and arts at my church at that time in Boston. So I guess what I'm trying to say is don't, put yourself in a box, meaning although you're an artist, there are different facets to that. So the artist is the, is the, the core, but there are other branches that can grow off of that tree. I think a lot of um, the mistakes that artists make is they say, this is all I do. I sing. You're not just a singer. Somewhere in you might be a business owner. Somewhere in you might be a writer. So you, uh, somewhere in you might be a producer. Your core gift is singing But within that, there are other things that God can pull out that can be just as lucrative for you. And um, one of my biggest models is use all of your gifts. Don't Mm. allow any of your gifts to go to waste and don't allow yourself to, um, you know, become stifled and say, oh, this is all I do or be a one trick pony. You know, this is a day and age where you have to be flexible. You have to be innovative. You have to um, be a cut above the rest and you have to use all of your giftings. So if you write, write. If you do business, do business. If you need to get this publishing, get that publishing. If you Mm. produce, produce, you know, um, so there are various facets to you. Um, And so I think it's so important for every artist to do that. For example, you know, right now in in a corporate capacity, I, I have a corporate job because of my business degree. Um, for, from Berkeley, but I also, for example, I just did a studio session two days ago, with JJ Hairston, right? So I'm in studio. Um, I'm working on some writing for somebody else's project, somebody else's album. We're finishing mine too, by the way, but that's another gift, right? And then I also teach and do coaching for, for, um, people that want voice Wayne. lessons, right? So Wayne. on that one, yeah, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, Wayne. Yeah, we got a we got a we got a coach man over here. I'm glad you mentioned that. Go ahead. Man. Go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. So that's what I mean. Although, okay, you sing, but what else do you do? 
You work every facet of your gift. They say the average millionaire has seven streams of income. You know, this is the time where you've got to work every facet of your gift. You know, if you're a drummer, don't just play drums because right now your money's not going to come from performing. Everything's on hiatus. You know, start a drumstick line or start getting into production or find other facets of your gift um, that can be lucrative for you during this time. You don't ever want to put yourself in a box to where if one stream gets cut off, then you're just, you're out of luck, right? How many artists have now been impacted because they can't travel or tour? When truth be told, all along, you should have had other things going on mm. so that if that one stream is cut off, you now have these three other things that you can go to without completely feeling you know, the, the uh, crutch of not being able to go out there and have your live shows and perform. Because it, it's short. Right. It has a seasons. But the, the crazy thing is, is that we've been talking about this, man, for the last few weeks. Go ahead, Ron. What you just want to say, Ron? Go ahead and see what you're going to say. No, I will tell her to uh, say what you said offline, because if she basically just segued into that or so forth, them having to be forced to pretty much be creative and, um, and you know, since this pandemic, pretty much. But you know the thing that I like what you just said. You said a couple of key weighted things. You're like, okay, yeah, it's a pandemic, but you should have already been already. You should you shouldn't wait. You should have waited until you're forced to have to try yeah. to expand. You should have already been expanding, right? And I think that part is where artists get stuck. Especially when it comes to gospel artists, because the the the, the scope of you, you got you have you, you, you kind of have to be multi-dimensional. You can't just be a one-dimensional artist, especially if you're a gospel artist. You gotta you gotta put you gotta get money a lot of different ways. And even though you might can't sing, but you can write for other people. They got some people that they can't really write write that well. But you know, there's no glamour behind the scenes in writing. That's glamour and publishing, because you get publishing checkers. I get it, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and and so and that's the thing. So talk about. I, I, I want you, in your words, what do you? What's your perspective or your temperature on the uh, lay of the the music or the gospel music uh, feel? What's your perspective? Where you think it's headed, and what's you know how how do you perceive everything to be as of right now? You know, that's such a loaded question because I am a firm believer that where there is no innovation, you are pretty much dying a slow death. And what I mean by that is if you refuse to become innovative and move or stay ahead of the eight ball, you are asking for, you're really creating career sabotage, essentially. And so I think, unfortunately, you know, what we've seen is a lot of artists, you know, and gospel and other genres as well. For some reason, we're, we've been so stuck in our ways that it's hard for us to shift with the times or to maneuver through the times. You know, for example, units just aren't selling like they once did. Right. And so when the artist sits down to say, oh, I'm going to put out a project, gone are the days where you just put out an album and expect people to just buy it. No, they're going to pick and choose the songs that they like. They're going to, and now you can't even really tour, right? Because of COVID, you know? And so what we're finding is a lot of people just put stuff out with no strategy. They're putting it out just because, right. or just to say that they put something out. And I think we're seeing the byproduct of that, you know, in the sales. And I think um, 
in addition to that, people are looking for an authentic sound. Um, they want authenticity. I think we live in a time where people just want the authentic you. Um, I think over time, we've somewhat lost our flavor in, in, in trying to be too commercial to the sense where we've lost the true essence of what our music really is and what it means and what it stands for. Um, I can't speak for every artist, but I do think from my perspective, those are some of the things that we've lost and we've seen that reflected in the dip of sales in gospel music. And so now it becomes resp the responsibility of artists to find other ways to get the word out, get their music out. So for example, if you release a project, what's the strategy behind it? Do you release an EP? Do you release a full project knowing that you can't tour? You know, these are some of the conversations we have to now have because gone are the days where you just put something out and you know, oh, people are just going to buy it. Not so. People have options. People have choices um, like they always did. And I believe that this is a time where God is emerging new voices. I believe he's he's putting people that were in the back and bringing them to the forefront. Um, I think he's, he's bringing people you know, that have been silent, but great. They, they've been like Davids in the wilderness, you know, fighting the lion, tigers and bears. They're the Davids that have been out there training for this season and for this moment. They haven't gotten crowned yet, but they've been out there working um, with no limelight, no acclaim, no nothing. But I do believe that we're going to begin to see a shifting, sort of a changing of the guards where we're going to hear from new artists, hear new emerging voices, and we're going to see innovative ways by which artists are going to share music, whether through, you know, we're seeing a lot of video albums, visual albums, different things. But I think people are going to continue to push the envelope on some of those innovative way, innovative ways of delivering um, the message through the music. The question I got for you, I want to back up because you said something that was very monumental and I kind of want to dive in. Right. Because this show is about expanding. And a lot of times you have to talk about bad things because people don't really sometimes can't identify the bad things. They know that they're bad. So they can grow from it. You mentioned yeah. you think it's very important for artists artists to stay ahead of the eight ball that I'm quoting what you said. I want to talk about that eight ball, right? Mm -hmm. I want to talk about some things that artists fail at, and 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 we, if we're using that eight ball as a as a symbolic, you know, uh, being a hammer that's smashing you into the ground, that's rolling over you. What are yeah. some things? that connects to that eight ball that a lot of artists uh, have problems with and they can't seem, you know, that they really struggle with. That's really not good that they need to pay attention to. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I think one thing that creatives suffer from is lack of strategy. It's going back to what I said. We have the creative part down. We got the songs. We got the music. We're ready to go. But we don't think strategy. We don't have a marketing plan. We don't have timelines. We don't have, you know, sometimes even the right team for execution for what we want to do. All of those things are equally as important as the music itself. And I think there is um, the success of an artist hinges on some of those factors. And, you know, I've never been one to put stuff out quickly just to say I have something out. I really try to think it through. And truth be told, that's why certain things aren't out yet, because I want to make sure that before it's released, there's good planning, there's strategy that goes into it. Now, that's not to say that you should procrastinate or not to say that you should sit on something that you know you're supposed to be putting out. But before you put it out, I think one thing that artists do to really shoot them in the foot and put them behind the eight ball is you just you don't have enough strategy behind what you're doing. 
Like, what's the marketing? If you put out a single, what's your marketing plan? You know, how are you going to get, um, you know, you're saying radio, the conventional radio, but that has even changed, right? So, you know, what is your your social media plan or strategy behind what you're putting out? You know, for YouTube, what are new emerging platforms that you need to look at outside of what has typically been used, right? Because for every Facebook, for every Twitter, for every YouTube, there's a new emerging platform that's coming out. And there are people behind the scenes thinking of the next best thing. And so we need to begin to think from that lens um, if we're going to be successful. You know, all these platforms that at a drop of a dime come out here and there, we need to begin to think behind the strategies that go into that and how we can release our music effectively on these platforms um, while just staying ahead of the game. And when you go into putting something out, I'm the type of person that I like, if everybody's doing it, I want to go the opposite direction because if everyone's doing it and it's, like it's just so common I want to do what everybody else is not doing. So if everybody's putting out something that's like this on the same platform in the same way, I want to be the person to sit and strategize to say, what has no one thought of yet? What can? How can I be the apple of music, right? How can I be that one to think outside the box and think sort of next level away from what everyone else is doing? And as opposed to being copycats because i think we see a lot of that really just duplicating when i think god really wants us to be innovative and he wants us to walk in authenticity and he wants us to be able to um, move in new emerging ideas um, that he gives us as artists what you was going to say when you something you want to say Ron? yeah of course um about with the um strategy part you're definitely bringing some nuggets um a lot of artists who recently put out projects or put out singles, the the lifespan is almost no more than just two weeks and then the buzz is gone. And mm -hmm. that's why they need a DJ. You know what I'm saying? A DJ with the audience. You know, the DJs are your PR people. You need to make friends with the DJs who have platforms that can help push your music and keep it going, going beyond the, the two-week lifespan. So, but you definitely dropping nuggets for us again. The strategy is putting stuff out there just to have it out there and now, with no marketing plan or strategy. One thing I always say, and I, and I preach it on all our platforms, is that I call it three-wheel axis to success for an artist. You got to have production, you got to have marketing, and you got to have money. So I yeah. want you, from your words, what have you been able to accomplish, Ayana, with no money? Oh, Not spending money. Quite a bit. Um, You know, I think if you are resourceful and, you know, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I found that a lot of times it's not that things aren't available to us. We just don't know that they're available. I cannot tell you, you know, how many grants I come across for artists, especially now during COVID. Wow. There are a ton of grants. There are a ton of, you know, opportunities available, funding, aids, you know, there are federal grants available to artists or people that do what we do. And so I say all that to say, although that encompasses money, but I think one of the most powerful things that artists can do is seek out information, put yeah. yourselves in circles and in, in, in surroundings where you're always getting access to new information. If you hang around the same people that are always doing the same things, they have the same mm. stale ideas, right. <laughs> you are not going to grow. Mm. 
No, you're not. You would have to become uh, surrounded with um, people who are forward thinking, people who are always seeking out information because the information is out there. But there's so much funding and money that's out there that we don't even know we're eligible for as artists. You know what I mean? Like even fellowships or just other things, grants. Some grants are as simple as an application. So, right. So, so if you don't have money like in your bank account, there, there there's funding out there for you. But aside from that, I think, you know, I always say the dream is for free, but the hustle or the grind is sold separately. That's one of my favorite quotes. And I live by that because if you are not willing to hustle and use and be resourceful in this season, even if you don't have the dollars, right? What are you going to do when you actually get the dollars? You There has to be that drive and that innate desire to push forward and use all your resources, use your contacts. If you don't have the money in your account, get a friend of a friend. Find a way where there is a will, there's a way. I've always believed that. I don't I don't like being told no. <laughs> so I've always been and my my friends and family have this joke because if somebody tell me no, I'm the person that's going to find a way to get it done. Like you I know you said no, but we we're going we're about to find a way to But I got a question, but I got a question I want to I want to ask you in reference to that, right? The problem that we have right now, especially in the church, that we have a lot of jealousy. We have, it's, it's so cliquish, right? We don't know how to, to be friends. How, and we don't know how, there's opportunity if we learn how to practice group economics. So how, in your own words, how can we, how can an artist psychologically, right? We know, but psychologically, how can an artist begin to break bread with other artists that they don't know maybe they don't not comfortable with, but you know, how can they expand their social reach psychologically first? Because the barriers that we have are internal in your own and on your own words, how can an artist, because that seems to be a problem because artists a lot of times get sensitive, you know, they, they always in a competitive mode. Mm-hmm. What can an artist do psychologically to get over that foolishness? I call it foolishness. Let me tell you a great strategy for this. And this is just more practical. Um, a lot of people say, oh, I want to, you know, if I toss out a name, who, I don't know, somebody random, I don't know. I'm trying to find a, say, okay, I want to get close to Sam LeMann or whatever, right? Um, people will say, oh, let me DM her or let me go directly to Tamala. You, if you DM Tamla, she's not even going to see it, right? But if you now get in the circles of her manager, her road manager, her MD, you're one step closer to Tamla. So what I mean by that is being strategic with the network that you begin to build around the artists that you, you're trying to work with or get to. Number two is become more visible. So right now everything's digital. So you need to be connecting with either digital platforms, Facebook groups, I don't care what it is, IG, you need to, all these um, lives that they they were doing on Versus, all that, you need to be in there. You need to be commenting, visible. Visibility changes everything. Um, I think these are some practical things that people can actually do to take actionable steps. So for example, if you if you want to get to know artists or whatever, start following their road manager. Start following people from their camp. You know, get a sense of who they are, what they do. Um, and then from there, you can cultivate and build relationship. I think one thing about social media is that it has given people access. 
on another level that we've never seen before. Literally right now, you can, you can direct message anyone in the world. If I wanted to tweet the president, I could, right? Respond to him. We've never lived in a time where there is so much accessibility. Now, so what I mean by that is you now have to put strategy behind that. And for actionable steps, now surround yourself with people in their camp, people in their crew. And I will say the more you maximize your networks, because as an artist, you have more networks than you probably think you do. You just haven't tapped into them. What do I mean by that? For example, one of my very good friends is um, a famous uh, artist road manager. And if I ever need this artist to do whatever, I call them and say, hey, can you get so-and-so to, to do this, whatever, this event that we're doing or whatever. But within that network, he, I, by having access to him, I have access to his network. If someone has access to me, they have access to my network. So I think we have to think from a strategic standpoint. And what I mean by that is begin leveraging the relationships that you currently have, knowing that every relationship is connected to another relationship. And if you are integral, if you are, um, you know, upright in your business dealings, if you are likable, if you are visible and if you're out there, something is going to happen for you. And if you're good at what you do as a creative, something is going to happen for you. So, so from I, a practical sense, begin to take those actionable steps. The thing that I want you to speak to, though, is the etiquette, right? I want you to, because, see, sometimes we don't know how to maintain relationship. We don't know how to create relationship. Because even though you have a friend that that's tapped in, you know, are you asking that friend to pay your car note for you? Give you loans your money. So I want you to talk about the etiquette to maintaining those relationships that you create. What are some things you don't do? Because these are things that the artists need to hear because it ruins their opportunity. That's a great question. I'm going to tell you a, a great story. When I first started ministering with JJ Harrison, maybe was it now six, seven years ago, um, you know, I've had the privilege to travel with him across the country in various capacities. We've been in a lot of different rooms. Um, one of the things that he always teaches us and has said, and I'll never forgot it. He says, when you enter a room, act like you belong there. Never be the person in the room that acts like you don't belong in the room. And I never forgot that. What do I mean by that? Part of etiquette is when you're traveling, when you're going out, when you're interacting with these people, they are people just like you. So if you automatically go into it like, oh my God, you're so, and you go into it like a groupie, you're going to be treated as such. If you go into a situation acting as though you are professional, you know what you're doing, that you are well-versed in your craft and you deserve to be talking to them, there is a whole different level of respect that comes with that approach and that decorum. And I don't mean arrogance. I just mean confidence in who you are and what you bring to the table. You, they're going to interact with you differently. Um, secondly, is just don't be thirsty. You know, one of my quotes that I love is I say, don't be the woman, don't be thirsty. Be the woman who owns the manufacturing company that sells the cups that thirsty people drink out of. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? Don't be the thirst bucket that's just in everybody's face doing this, doing that. Be the person that is worth being known. If you can bring immediate value to whatever you're a part of, you will stand out automatically. Don't go in being like wow. everybody else. 
if you go in bringing value to the situation, you will absolutely stand out. And so I think from a practical sense, those are some things that artists need to do. Um, you know, don't be thirsty. Don't be a groupie. Go in with confidence, um, being confident in your craft. You have to have confidence in this industry. If you are not clear on who you are, right. get clear on who you are and what your purpose is. You have to know what your function is. You have to know what you're good at and what you're growing in. You know, I don't like to say um, challenges. I say areas of opportunity because every challenge really is an area opportunity for you to grow. But you can't go out just letting it all hang out. Know your strengths. Know areas that you're still growing in. But magnify and play up your strengths because everybody's good at something um, in the areas that you still need to grow and develop in. Don't work the parts of your gift that you're good at work, the areas that you need to become better at. So some artists are amazing singers, but they're terrible at interpersonal skills. Mm. If you know that's you work on your interpersonal skills. If you know that you don't interview well, work on your interview skills. If you know that you don't write well or you don't know how to read a contract, work on that. You know, these are all the things that you need in your toolkit um, of being a successful artist. Um, so hopefully that that's helpful and some practical things that people can do. Man, I Man, think you have you on the music industry makeover on Thursday nights because you dropped some nuggets and, and some jewels here. So. And, and we 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 did not brief Ayana on anything. We said we we pretty much man don't want to be scripted. We wanted to be off the hip, and she came right in, said all the things we always talk about. Lamont said, if I'm being honest, I'm not. I'm only connected to Rico. I'm not in any circles, and I'm not. I'm not keen on the circles due to experience. You know, and I and I will say one thing about him. He's been connected to me uh, for years. We've been probably nine years. And um, the, the thing is, is I, I test people a lot. And this is one of the artists that I work with. He's been with me for nine years. Great singer. But he doesn't try to backdoor me and try mm -hmm. to go around me to other relationships. Right. You know, and if he talked to, you know, when I look at his friends list, he know a lot of the same people that I know. But I never, ever have those messages that come back to me. And so, well, you know, he tried to go around you to do stuff. Because he's a he's a, he's a lawyer brother, man, and and that's one thing that I want to say too. You you know the music business is a business of relationships, it and is. when you walk through the door with somebody, that person that walked you through the door, you're known by the person that brought you through the door. Right. Yeah. And and when you step from around that person and try to, you know, mush them as if they're not important, and you got to always remember you're here because that person brought you. And that's Absolutely. something that you have to understand. And then, because what happens is a lot of people won't trust you because they fear, well, man, if you do that, because the only reason I'm talking to you is because you came here with, with him or you came here with her. And if you're going to try to circumvent them and cut their throat for opportunity, I know you're going to do that to me. We don't even know you. So I, I say that because I think that a lot of artists want to get in a lot of circles, but they don't really know how to act. And of course, it's not being a groupie. Uh, I really love the fact that you, you hit on some things that I think the artists need to understand. But I, before I before I transition to this next part, I want you to talk about how important it is to, um, to be educated when it comes to publishing and when it comes to doing 
because some artists don't like doing some songwriter split sheets, right? And mm. talk to those two, the songwriter split sheet, I want you to talk about why it's important and why they need to really learn and get in the habit before they jump in the booth, before they, you know, to, to get that sheet done and what happens when you don't get it done. Oh, wow. That's, that's everything because, you know, as creatives, ideas flow freely, right? And sometimes we forget how important the business side is because creatives, this is what we do. We create innately. Um, but that a lot of people have gotten burned because they don't handle their business first. And I always say this, you know, as I've gone or been in different arenas, I say, if we handle the business first, then we can leave the fun part to just being creative. Now people do the opposite. They, they do the fun part first and then they leave their business at the end. No, 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 no. You handle the business first so that we can get to the fun part. We don't have to think about it. It's out of the way. Um, split sheets are absolutely important. They're must have for every writer. Uh, for every artist, if you have contributed actively to anything, there needs to be a clear upfront understanding of those those areas that you contributed to, those parameters. Without that, you have no real binding um, documentation that you actively uh, submitted or, or were a part of that creative process. There is no proof. It's going to be your word against theirs. And um, we've seen time and time again where artists that did not handle their business on the back end, whether it was through bad management, bad business managers, or just not knowing at the time about publishing or what it meant to them, they've missed out on thousands and thousands of dollars. And though, let me tell you something about that publishing. That publishing will bless you. When you go in your mailbox and you get an unexpected check because you handled your business, there is no greater feeling. I was just reading up on the Nick Cannon and and how he um, somewhat was the originator of Wild and Out, um, mm -hmm. but he, because his business wasn't right, Viacom actually owned the trademark mm -hmm. to that show. Mm -hmm. And here we are with another example, although it's not necessarily music related, of how Literally. not handling your business up front mm -hmm. can shoot you in the foot. Because now, with because they own the trademark they can do whatever they want with that, that particular um, show. So same thing for artists. That is your binding agreement. I also recommend that every artist have a lawyer. You need a lawyer um, so that when these matters come up for contract reviews, if you feel like you're uncomfortable with reviewing, you know, documentation or split sheet, whatever, make sure you have a lawyer on deck, an entertainment lawyer, or who specializes in those things and copyright law and all of that so that you are covered because what you don't want, you know, you can be one song away from being a millionaire. You can be one song away from being able to set up your children's children for the rest of their life. And um, if your business isn't handled, um, you, you will forfeit that. And so that's why it's important. And every artist should absolutely do it. I, I, I really, I really appreciate you, man, stepping into that because I think that as an artist, you have to transition into understanding business and doing business, and you can never. I fell out of love because there's a one time, because you know, although I, I produce music and I score, you know, music to film, you know, do a lot of music licensing or whatever, I fell out of love of creating music to the sense of because when you when you're so in love with doing music. Yeah. You don't tend to push yourself to the business. You say, oh, that's okay. 
I don't worry about it. I do this right here. You, you know, and what happens is you never know where a song is going to go. You don't know. You know, yes, you can understand the song structure, you know, building your 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 intros, your outros, your bridges, and you you know, you know the quality is there, you know that the singing is off the hook, that the rhymes off the hook, but you really don't know if a song is gonna be a hit or not. You you don't know that, right? right? Yeah. So that's why you don't you don't on the back, you don't you don't try to do your business on the back end because you can't come back and collect that money when the song blows yeah. up. So in the aspect of Nick Cannon. And I want to use that as an example to say you can never get so excited if you what I'm seeing now with a lot of artists, they get an idea because they don't have the funding. They start going to other people for their funding. And when people spend their money on your idea, a lot of times it becomes their idea. Right. Yeah. You know, and if you, you know, so sometimes you have to talk about being patient and working out the plan, the strategy, even if it takes you 10 or 15 years, because if Nick had just waited, because he's talented, right? He's been yeah. writing for a very long time. Wow. Right. Yeah. And when you look at YouTube right now, you got YouTube, you have Vimeo, right? You can go get a Vimeo Pro account. If you create movies, if you create sitcoms, you can do your own show, build your own audience, and retain all your rights. Just talk about that to some encourage them to do that before we, you know, I just want you to talk about oh, that. Oh, that's, that's so important. And, um, you know, even YouTube slogan, right? Broadcast yourself. That's what YouTube is. It's a platform. And we've never seen a time where there's so many platforms for you to go on. And you got Facebook Live, you've got YouTube, you've got, there's so many platforms and options. So even without the dollars, I mean, you can stage something in your house and make it look like a million bucks by just the right lighting. You could use your cell phone. You know, at this point, there really is no excuse to not get yourself out there the way that you should. Um, one thing that, you know, based on my business background that, and I want to encourage artists with this too, is that, you know, I've done a lot of cool things, but I'm now kind of getting back in a zone where I'm really just focusing on me because what I did is because of my project management and my business acumen, I started consulting and helping other people build their brands. And I kind of didn't focus the way I needed to on mine. And that's one mistake that I want you guys to really look out for because, the hustle and bustle of life, the hustle and bustle of ministry, the hustle and bustle of what you do can get in the way of being on your grind the way you need to for you. Mm -hmm. So make sure in all that you're doing that at the end of the day, it's going right. It's leading you right back to what God said for you to do. It's leading you right back to your artistry. It's leading you right back to what's really important as a creative. Um, and so, again, use all those platforms to your benefit. You know, TikTok, everything. I mean, these kids are on TikTok like day in and day out. There's so many platforms um, out there. So, you know, there's really no excuse for artists to not do what you do. And, you know, I, I encourage everybody to get out there. You can put on an instrumental track and get on YouTube and post it to your page. Like there's so much you can do. So get out there and do it. And make sure that you don't spend time helping to build other people's dreams and not enough time building yours. 
Man, if you, if you just not join us on In The Box, now we had the lovely Ayana McDonald, singer, um, worshiper, songwriter, business connoisseur, um, the, the graduate from the school of Berkeley School of Music. Uh, if you just not join the show, please share the show out because, man, we, we really, she did. She did most of the talking. She <laughs> dropped a lot of yeah. And I, I love that, man, because uh, sometimes we have to pull stuff out. I have to pull nothing out of you, man. You just came. Like, man, you, like, like Werner, Werner said, fire. I, I want to go back to a couple of comments. I know we, we, we may run over just a little bit, uh, but I want to I hit a couple of the comments here. Um, so I saw a couple of good comments, man, that I want to have an opportunity to talk about. Demetra said, 1K Few got signed to reach records. Uh, because Lecrae's sound engineer followed him on social media, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. Powerful, powerful point. And then um, Kufu, Freddie Kufu said, um, I love this. He said, better one song that reaches the world than an album under your bed. That's so right? good. Love that. You Great. can start out with one song. I love you said, you said, what you said was you said, you sometimes you're one song away from being a multi-millionaire, right? Children. Establishing a legacy for your kids. How how many people do we see in the industry where their kids are eating from what their fathers and mothers did in the business? Come on. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want to live. I, I want to live so that my grandkids can eat off of what I do now with the time that I've been blessed with. And I think we should all strive for that in some way to say, you know, not only am I going to leave a mark, but I'm going, I'm going to leave something for them, you know, um, especially given the climate and all the things that we're seeing in this world. Now more than ever, we need to be committed to doing things that matter, doing things that will leave a mark, doing things that will be a blessing to our children's children. And I think if we think from that lens through the things that we do and the music that we put out, um, we will be able to take it next level and blow it out of the water. So I, um, I actually, before we get ready to go, we always do this uh, a little game we call 10. Right, okay. and we're gonna. It's either or. We just want to see how your mind works. You have to choose either Long. or. You can't think about it, right? <laughs> so it's 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 meant to get you in a different space. It's just a fun game we play. There's no okay. right or wrong answer. All right. <laughs> so here we go with ten. All right, with Miss Famous Ayana McDonald. Right here we go. <laughs> $250 million with five years to live or 400000 with seven years to live? Say that again. <laughs> You're trying to work me. You're trying to, trying to think about the question. Right. $250 million with five years to live or would you rather have 400000 with seven years to live? Mm, 400000 with seven years to live. Uh, Mike Epps, Mike Epps or Kevin Hart? Mike Epps. <laughs> Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock? Oh, Lord. Chris Rock. <laughs> Bizzle or Flame? Flame. Reed B. Versus or Gabriel Parker from P.O.R.? Gabriel Parker. <laughs> Michael X or Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King. Mid condition, a Tony, 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 Tony. 
Make condition. <laughs> GTA 5 or NBA 2K 2020? NBA. <laughs> Would you rather uh, a 10,000 member church or a 10 member home church? Oh, Lord. That's a good one. I would say a 10,000 member church. Okay. Jared, Jared Sanders from God Over Money or Dadden Barrios from God Over Money? Jared Sanders. All right, number 10. Did you play? You played well. You played well. You had a, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad, man. Uh, Wanda said, okay, that's what I'm talking about, Bill Legacy. Amen. And then uh, using our gifts to build and have generation. All right. And I think that's very important, too, because I think as black people, we don't really teach generational wealth. And that's the reason why we're suffering now. Because now, Although we know what slavery did some things, right? But we also know that people are getting money now because we're making more, we're earning more money now, but we're just not doing the right things with our money. And um, so, so I think it's really important, man, that you focus on, you know, you know, life insurance and you guys are going, you need life insurance is just not for being, for being buried. There's living benefits of life insurance. You know, if you have a small child right now, you can actually go out and get a policy and get a, a whole life policy for that child that builds equity and keep it until that child go to college. And guess what? It can help pay for college or pay for books or pay for room and board, you know, living benefits. So, you know, I I, I want to thank you for being on. And um, Thank you for having me. This is any, great. Any last words you want to say before we get up out of here, Ayana? Anything you want to say before we go? Well, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. It really was an honor and you know, I just want to encourage everybody with COVID and all the things that's going on, be intentional about your purpose. You know, this is not a time to dumb down who you are, who God made you to be. It's not a time to sit on your gifts. This is a time to go hard in the paint, you know, pursue and, and just push out, you know, whatever it is that God is giving you to do, do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait until tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. So whatever is in your heart to do, do it now and do it well. Roy, in the last words, man. It was great meeting you. We're looking forward to hear some great things from you. And you, and you gave Thank some great message. So look forward to have you on a Thursday night for sure. Thank and you hold so the, much. And hold the line. And hold the line, Ayanna. We want to say, okay. man, we appreciate all you guys, man, and girls supporting us. You know, if you are a, an aspiring artist, a, a, you know, music producer, manager, tune in some of the shows we have on Music Industry Makeover. Um, also here on In The Box platform as well, you know, because I want to try to, we try to bring guests on uh, that have knowledge, guests that are actually moving and doing something, that have something to build. She shared a lot of information if you missed it, you know, because we know that, you know, some people may uh, be working or you may have some other things to do. Come back and hit the replay because she shared a lot of things in such a format. I can tell you she went to Berkeley School of Music, man. She even structured her <laughs> words, man. And, uh, <laughs> so I had, we got to come in here, man. For, okay. Uh, uh, Wagner said, I'll stand the show. Thank you so much. Amen. Mary said, it's a favorite interview. And as you guys know, July is where our, we are uh, honoring women creatives. You know, supporting women creators, and I think that you, we got to support women more that are in the space as well. And uh, but without that, with that being said, don't go anywhere. Thank you. God bless. Good night.